Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, Garen and Jordan coming back to you talking about Garen's message on May 7th. And he covered Yahweh Shalom, which is God is my peace. Yes. And it's the easiest one to say. But the hardest to live into. And it's the hardest to live into. Um, why is it so hard, Garen? That doesn't seem like a difficult concept that God is my peace. Yeah. What's up? Well, I mean, and we just talked about it in staff and it came out of that book that since Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve tried to take control of the universe, when it wasn't theirs to control humanity, we struggle with control and we want to have everything around us right and we want to make it right. And we live in a broken world that's out of our control. And so it's just, yeah, a lot, lot of brokenness and a lot of the inability to control. And it just creates high levels of anxiety in everybody. So in your mind, anxiety and control are really connected. Yes. very. That's why I said, if you pull up anxiety by the roots, controls what's dangling underneath. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, you gave some really good stats at the beginning. You talked about 27% of adults struggle yeah, 18, with high anxiety. Yeah, to, uh -huh. And then if you look at the youngest generation that we have data on, Generation Z, half of them. Yeah, it's close to half. Are struggling with high levels. Yes. This isn't just like I get nervous about right. a test no, or something. This, it's is, like this is high levels of anxiety. Yeah which is just crazy. And like I said, that's, it's, they're two times higher than like your generation, like millennials and Gen X, three times higher than baby boomers. Oh, to be a baby boomer right now. No cares in the world, right? <laughs> and do you think that has to do anything with um, technology and social yeah, media? Yeah, I think that book, because I really recommend that book. She talks about technology. Another thing I would say is parenting has changed. So you've got a lot of helicopter parents, a lot uh. of that snowplow which creates young people who really don't get to experience life and make a lot of choices on their own and develop resilience. And so they leave home with high levels of anxiety because they really haven't been allowed to face the world very much, or they've not been allowed yeah. to pay the consequence for a wrong they've done and to be the one that makes it right. So there's, there's numerous things, but the parenting is also an, is a big one. Do you think that you kind of parented that way? Or did you do a pretty good job of... We, Pat, you know, we worked really hard at not being... I didn't know helicopter parent at first, but we we really tried to let them experience things and to not be like hovering around, um, controlling their environments and stuff. You know, I didn't have the, the words for it back then. We tried not to do that, but I still think our we're just living in a generational time where it's easier to do that than our parents. I mean, our parents used to let us run We'd go running off to the local creek, you know, five miles from out in the country. And my parents didn't even know where we were, right? Yeah. We didn't do that because we had since heard about, you know, you hear about weird people kidnapping. And so we were more 
you know, just naturally restrictive than our parents. And that has an impact, even if you're trying not to be. So fear probably plays a big role in this too. It's, it's anxiety, it's control, but all of that is probably motivated by fear. Would yeah. you say, is that fair uh-huh. to say? Yes. Yep. Very much so. Huh? You took us to Judges 6 and um, we talked about the story of Gideon and you, you took us through it and you gave a ton of context, which was super, super useful. Um, and the context basically is God is allowing these other rival tribes to come into Israel, to steal the crops, to create fear. So all yeah. these Israelites are going and hiding in the, in the mountains and, and the in caves. the caves. And meanwhile, these like droves of foreigners are just moving in like locusts and eating the yeah. crops yeah. and destroying stuff. Yeah. And so when we come upon Gideon, he is threshing wheat in a wine press, which having read this before, I didn't know what to make of that. Most people probably don't know what to make of that. It's like, okay, that's weird. He's doing that in a wine press, but we don't really know why. And then you brought in all this context of like, well, he was down in the wine press. He was hiding. He didn't want to get his wheat stolen. And so that just creates this whole, it, it allows us to, to create this mental picture for when the angel of the Lord shows up and just kind of get in the same headspace as Gideon. Yeah, that he's cowering. I mean, he, they're all living in absolute fear and anxiety, which, yeah, they, he was in an age of anxiety. I love what you said. I, you know, I hadn't delved into that, but even if, because if he's in a small village, you know everybody. If a strange dude all of a sudden right. says, hey, what you doing or something, your, your first thought's going to be like, Oh no, I, you know, are you from Midian? Are you right. an Amalekite? Like, which one are you? He's, he's like, I'm about to get my wheat yeah, stolen. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm about to get my head but chopped off. But didn't Gideon and... already meet the angel of the Lord? Or was that later? Huh. No, it's later. No, this is his, this is the first time. Yeah, he has not met him before. So you wonder if when he meets the angel of the Lord later, how he doesn't recognize him. It's kind of odd. I know there's stories in the Bible of God or Jesus hiding their identity, right? Yeah. Like when Jesus rose again, the disciples didn't recognize him right away. So there's some of that maybe, but. Well, there's yeah. another family in Judges that meets him, a really small family. I, I'm not sure. This might be the only time he sees him at this initial thing. God ends up talking to him a lot. I'm not sure. I'd have to, I didn't read his whole story before I did this. Does he end up? I'm not oh. sure. Oh, I'm thinking, I think I'm thinking of Elijah. Yeah, Elijah. When, uh-huh. Or Elijah, And right. Joshua. So other, people have right. met him. He knows the story, but this is his first and only time. I was time. thinking of making the meal out in the desert. Oh, uh-huh. That's Elijah. Right. Yeah, that's Elijah. Oh, okay, yep. mix up my prophets. We'll edit that out. But that's, yeah, we'll edit. And that's, yeah. but that's easy because this, he, he just shows up in these weird times. Like he'll just show up in the text and you're like, why is he there? And then he's gone and he'll show up in another story. It's, there's kind of this elusive, he's like this elusive, interesting, really, really interesting person. So, but that's why I want to delve more into that because I've had questions about him. It would be cool to map out all the uh, appearances of the angel of the Lord throughout the Old Testament, like time-wise and the situation and the context and like why he showed up. I mean, that would just even be a cool like 60-minute little like discussion. Yeah, so that would be cool. Someday, someday we'll do that. Um, one thing that I pulled out from that, aside from just the really helpful context that you gave was Gideon's short memory, which you mentioned, <laughs> yeah. because we're in Judges chapter six and he come, the angel of the Lord comes and he's, he's basically saying to God, he's, Hey, God's done nothing for us. <laughs> you know, you used to do no, all this great yeah. stuff and you've ditched us and you're not doing anything for us. And you mentioned like, yeah, if you could look back at the last five chapters, you would see the ways that I've been working. 
miraculously, but he, you know, Gideon just forgets that. Yeah, I've already delivered you guys five times miraculously, and uh, and you're telling me I've not been around since the Exodus, and it's just even the fact that he's telling God, he's talking about God to, to God, God, not right. knowing it, and yeah. he's just he's just saying, you know, have you ever heard of an SYI Bible study? SYI. Yeah, it's a share your ignorance Bible study. Oh no, I've been in some of those. That he. Here's Jesus having an SYI Bible study with Gideon. Gideon's sharing all this stuff that's just whacked and is wrong, and he's talking to God. He doesn't even know he's in a one-on-one Bible study with God, and he's sharing horrible theology. He's talking to God about God. <laughs> yeah, and he's not right. Yeah, it's it's really it's actually kind of funny to think about. You it. know that Gideon, who now is with Jesus, you know they just look back on that and laugh. Like, man, can you believe? Remember that time I showed up and you were just telling me off. About me yeah. to my face. It's like, yeah, I remember that. See, if I was the angel Lord, I would have touched my staff to Gideon and the fire would have consumed him. I would have been ticked. Right. That's right? why we're not allowed to. That's be, why I'm not God. That's why we're not allowed to have any more authority than we have. <laughs> this is the extent of it. Sometime after that, you mentioned a really good quote from St. Augustine, something about being able to see the path, but not always being able to walk it. What was yeah. That again? He just says, like, from a distance, you can see the woods of peace and what it like what that woods looks like but he said to tread that path is a totally different thing and it's hard and it's that idea of this is the easiest name to say it is the hardest to live into to live and enter into the peace of god i think for everybody at different levels but for all of us we all struggle with that we all falter at that we all want to get better at that we don't know how to get better at it i know me that's that's where i'm at so i think we see the far off woods of peace and we want that, but, and your contention yesterday was so often when we want that, we try and control it. Yep. Like we try and control different parts of our lives thinking it will bring us peace, but it really turns into this downward spiral. Right. And um, just talk more about that because you have yeah, life experience with that and you know a lot about that. Yeah. That, and that's kind of the, the three things is we need to trust him by knowing him. And we can come back to that. Give up control and learn to take my thoughts captive. But that giving up control is so huge because there is a correlation with things. We just mentioned it, correlation with anxiety and control. And the, the weird thing about control is I get in an, I, so I'm, I'm living a controlling life. Things get out of my control. So anxiety ramps up, right? So I try to exert greater control. I try to manipulate the situation. I try to make things work. And it actually makes things worse when I try to control something uncontrollable. It gets worse and as it gets worse, my anxiety gets higher, and then I want to ramp up my control even more. And it just becomes this downward spiral. So control is the exact opposite thing we should do with anxiety, but it's what we do. Yeah, it's like the natural reflex is when you feel like your life is spiraling to try and grab onto something and control yep. it. But really, that's the worst thing you can it's do. It's the worst thing you can do. You learn that in counseling, like with if you, anybody, with any relationship, that if you, if you get anxiety in a relationship and then you try to get control over that, they'll tell you you're actually undermining the relationship, you're actually wrecking your ability to have influence. And you may even be hurting God's ability to have influence on that person if you try to control a situation too much. So yeah. I like how, as we talked, you said it's like burning. Yeah, the, it's like there's a there's a fire in your house. And so you're, go, you're trying to put that fire out, but everywhere you go, there's like a lit match in your back pocket and you just keep lighting new things on fire and you'll never, ever catch up to it. It's That's what it looks like to try and eliminate anxiety with control. You're just, because you're always creating new problems for yourself. Yeah. I used to really, really struggle with control. And I think it kind of, for me, came back to my ego a little bit. Like I wanted to control things around me 
because, um, especially like things that I was in charge of because I needed them to look a certain way because I needed people to see me in a certain light. And so a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of there to unpack that we're not going to, but basically learning to give that up has freed me in so many ways from anxiety, yeah. from, um, yeah, the need to please people. And so I would have never guessed in a million years that giving up control was the answer, but, um, it is. And I think it probably is for a lot of us, Yes. even though it feels like the most unnatural thing. Yeah. And so I really recommend if a person has high anxiety, there's not one thing that's the solution to everything, but that look into that control issue and really reflect, do you have a deep idol of control? And that book that I recommended is really, really helpful on that. So yeah, if somebody struggles with high levels of anxiety, that control is something I really recommend they explore before the Lord is like, how much is this a deep idol of mine that's running a lot of my life? What are, what's like a litmus test for us? What are some questions we can ask ourselves if we're, if someone's listening to the podcast, they're like, okay, I mean, I enjoy having control over things, but like, how do I know if I'm in that red zone, like the needles ticking the danger area, or if I'm just like, you know, if I care about control to a normal degree, what are some ways we can know that? Yeah, I feel one thing I feel like, Jordan, I'd like to hear your thought for me is if you frequently find yourself getting anxious in a situation because things are happening that are not how you want them. So that's happening. Quite, your anxiety is elevating quite a lot to me. That's a big sign. The control is a big issue. Because as I've learned to give up control, a lot of that stuff that used to bother me doesn't bother me anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you get to where, oh, this is a, okay, my anxiety, that's a really big thing right here. And so that kind of correlates, but it used to be, man, I get anxiety at a lot of stuff. And it was, and realizing that because there was a deep rooted, that deep idol of control underneath that. So that's to me one is if a lot of things generate anxiety, then probably it's a high control issue that's under that, a high control that needs to be dealt Hmm. with. Okay. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Maybe, I mean, if I look back on myself, because that's the only thing I can really look to. There, there are parts of my life where like, I, I could not I could not go to a meeting or I could not have an interaction or go a day and like not feel the need to give my opinion or to control or to take Mm. something out of someone else's hands or off their plate and put it on my plate because I thought I could do it better. So maybe it's just a little, a little like one day experiment of, can I go a whole day without inserting myself Uh or without overriding someone? And if I can sit there and like be at peace with whatever happens, then maybe I've got it under control. But if I find myself like, physically unable yes that's <laughs> you good. know that's to let one. somebody i work with or a family member whatever do their thing even if i think i know a better way if i'm unable to do that then maybe it's time to start thinking about talking to somebody or reading one of these books yep. or taking that to your community yep. or whatever especially the one you said about can i just not say anything right that for me right that's been a big one is just learning richard foster talks about that in celebration of discipline if you remember that, that discipline, like I can, the, of silence, he kind of talks about of, can I just, do I always have to give my opinion or can I just let things happen or, yeah. Yeah. So as I've given up control, I don't necessarily feel like I have to speak into something or I'll just give my opinion and then I leave it there. And if the group figures, thinks something's better, then I'm okay with it. Instead of you have to, well, I got to say one more thing and one more thing and one right. more thing and one more thing. Yeah. To me, that's also a big one is, can I just... Yeah. Can I sit there and let something happen that I don't think is the best without like a vein spurting out through my forehead? Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Whether it's like a teenage son or daughter who's going to make a decision. It's not like 
the worst decision, but it's something you wouldn't do. Can you sit there and let them make that choice yeah. or uh-huh. a friend or a family member, or do you have to intervene? So, yep. That's good. Yeah. That's hard. Um, yeah. And then you said, yeah, the three things that we should do. So we just hit number two, trust him by knowing him. It's just, yeah. You started off with that number one of, all right, we're going to trust God yeah. and a collective Duh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like right, oh, rang out across. Here the, you are. This is what. But your follow up was so good that we we trust God by knowing Him, and we've got to. Is it Willard who says, "Yes, if we're going to trust God fully, we've got to believe that He is both good and great." Yep, that's what meaning Willard that talks He about. is looking out for my well being, meaning He is good and He is great, like He is powerful enough to make it happen. Yes. So unless we really believe those two things about God, we are not going to fully trust Him. Not at all. And you're going to have a life full of anxiety because then. God can't control it, so I've got to, and we can't, and yeah. so we're going to get in that spiral. There are so many Christians who, and I've been in this seat, so I'm not pointing the finger. I, it's just me too, um, who will who will sing the songs about trusting in God and will wear the t-shirts that have the verses about trusting in God and all that, and then in your regular life, you would not know that this person trusts God yeah. because of how much they have to control things. Yes. So let's not be those kind of people. Yep. So that's one, that's number two, and then taking every thought captive, setting your mind on God and on things of him, those, those things that, is it Philippians or Galatians that Paul tells us things I've set our mind on? Yeah. In, yeah. Philippians, he has that list. In Philippians, so, right. Yeah. Whatever is good and I love the first one. What's true. True. Yeah. Praiseworthy. What's excellent. Right. Yeah. So are these the things that we're setting our mind on or are we, are we letting those things we can't control? Are we letting those things consume us? Yeah. Um, am I riding every wave that comes into my mind, which is easy to do? Mm -hmm. Or am I like, you know what? I'm going to choose my wave. And instead of letting my anxiety, it's like, you know what? I've been learning the names of God and I, Lord, I need your, I need to live. You are my provider. We haven't done that one yet, but it's coming. You will take care of this in the right way. Help me to trust that. Help me to just let this go because I can't make that happen. And so the raid wave I'm going to ride is the truth of God. And then he is Yahweh Yaira, my provider. So it's, yep. I can't control my thoughts, my emotions, but I can decide what wave to ride. That illustration is so good. I remember being younger and being in the ocean and we would boogie board. So we would paddle a little ways offshore and you would, you'd sit out there and you'd wait for the right wave. And you, you cannot stop the waves from coming. You yeah. cannot. No, it's it's you literally can't. impossible. Yep. Just like it is equally impossible for you to stop thoughts from coming into your head. Yep. There is no way to control the things that are going to pass through your mind. But you absolutely are sitting out there in the ocean and you get a control if you're going to jump on a wave or let it pass by. And it's the exact same with your thought process too, right? Because I think sometimes I would read that verse, take every thought captive. And I would think that meant every thought that comes to my head. And I would get so... I would shame myself and I would feel so frustrated because I can't control the thoughts that come into my head. So I must be doing something wrong. But really it's about which, which one am I going to hop on? Yeah, I can right. let a thought pass right. or I can act right. on it. And so whether that's, that's avoiding sin, whether that's controlling your control, whether that's um, dwelling on the things of God, like it's such an empowering thought to know that we get to choose which way to ride. Yeah. To ride. So at least for me, because... I've been frustrated by that thought a lot. So the way that you presented it was really, is is helpful for me in a big way. Yeah. And I'm not a beach guy and I appreciated the quote because you saw my fear of sharks. Yeah. That wasn't Photoshopped or anything too. That was real live (laughs) information. That was a real photo from when we went to Florida that time and we actually saw that happen. That's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. Um, 
And somebody actually kind of made fun of me because both services I said, like, I hear the tiger sharks can be in like three feet of water. Oh, and yeah. I, I made my knee three feet. And he said, dude, your, like your fear of sharks house. is too great. He said, three feet's like your hip. I go, yeah. oh, okay, that's that's good to know. Yeah, you're not a nephilim. He said, if you're waiting, yeah. you're not 12 <laughs> you're, feet tall. If you're waiting up to your, your knee, there's probably not a shark there with you. Right. So I'll be a little more arrested in the beach now. <laughs> the, Garen is not afraid of anything except for sharks in three feet of water. We've finally found that is his kryptonite. Yes, that's it. Um, you mentioned John 14 in your message, the first part of the verse, which says... That's the one... Um, where the Holy like, Spirit will give us peace, right? Yeah, or that's where... And then he says, um, my peace I give to you. Right. And it's that... It's mine and it's a gift. Mm-hmm. And which, you, which you made a good point. You have to receive. Yeah, it's a gift to be received. So it's there. Just like his salvation, it's yeah, there. It's like everything, yeah. So, you so sanctification it, is there. It's just hanging out there. But you were kind of hanging on, I, I hoping... Thought were, I thought you were setting us up. I was like, oh, man. He's got us because the second half of John 14, 27... Is, is when the Holy Spirit tells us, and this is a gift that the world cannot give you. Yeah. And I thought that was so appropriate because this whole message we talked about ways we try and fill that peace void with stuff from the world. Yeah. Whether mm-hmm. it's control or something else. But at the end of the day, it's something only the Holy Spirit can bring us. Yeah, right. And that's, that's good. The, that and the world true. can't get it and I can't get it in my own control. So, Which is why we see people in the world with all the influence, with all the acclaim, with all the power, with all the authority, with all the riches, with all the comfort, with all the everything, and they can't fill that peace void. Yeah. Um, It's why only people who know Jesus can fill that void because it's a gift the world physically, literally cannot give you. There's nothing that will satiate that. Yep. It's a Trinitarian gift. Yahweh Shalom. It's Jesus, the Prince of Peace. It's the Holy Spirit that those, those are gifts from him. And it's a thing I have to receive. I can position to me these three things. I'm positioning myself to receive it. That if I'm really getting to know him, so I trust him. If I'm letting go of control and if I'm taking my thoughts captive with his help, I'm positioning, posturing myself for his peace to then invade my life. That's a really strong word, but more, you know, more of a chance because we're all, I know I had some people talk to me yesterday who were in their 70s. We're like, man, I still struggle with anxiety. So it's till we get out of this broken world, it's still going to be an issue. But I, I think invade is the right word because we don't want to give up control. Oh, and God good. on some level has right, to come. That's true. And we've got to pray like, like Jesus, take this from me because I can't give it to yeah. you. So would you please mm. take And so yeah, I think, that's inv- good. I don't think invade is too strong a word, at least in my life. Because it's not like I got saved and I was like, oh, let me hand over the keys to you in every way. <laughs> Jesus said, no, I, it was right. a struggle and yeah. he had to take things from me. And I wanted to give them, but physically could not. I was so broken. And so. See, this is, don't you know, Jordan, like, so you'll do a sermon and you're like, man, there was so much I left on the table. I need to come back and do this again, like better. I don't know. I No, it's when you like, go start a new church that you'll, you'll give them the really good sermons. Oh, the really good ones. Yeah. So yeah. each time it just keeps getting yeah, better gets, and better and better. Um, man, I had a thought. Oh, you mentioned yesterday about how the Trinity is actually present with all these names of God. And so you said, yeah, like yesterday you said, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You took us to John 14, 27, where the Holy Spirit says, peace I give you. So is that true for these other names? Like um, Sabaoth, Sid Canoe, El Roe, like, do we see that present in all of the Trinity or is it, are some names kind of like that, but some aren't? Yeah, you see it. So I've done Jesus every week. You see it all the time in Jesus, all of these. You know, the Holy Spirit is more, he's kind of mysterious behind the scenes, the wind blowing. 
So there's not a whole lot said about the Holy Spirit. So we don't have these revealed in the same way in Jesus. I can take every of these, all of these attributes of God, these names, and show you how Jesus lived it out. It's just a lot harder to see it in the Spirit. Occasionally it comes up like the sanctification where he says, you know, I am your sanctifier or this one, the peace, it's a gift, it's a fruit of the spirit. So occasionally, but you know, he is the, there's not a lot of, super lot of revelation about him, but I am sure that he also embodies all of these if we were to really think about it and dig into it. Yeah. Um, You know, I feel like every time we talk on Sunday, it's useful and it's applicable but this one especially, like I just pray that people will take it to heart, that they will really try and examine where am I, where am I being controlling and how am I going to give that up? So yeah, I don't know. Can you give us any tips or, or like ways to live this out? Because if we could become a people who are not obsessed with control, but are truly living into the shalom that Yahweh gives, that is the kind of a movement that's going to look different yes, in the world. Yes, very much and so. And it's going to affect our community for the better and our church body for the better and our world for the better. So like, I don't know, send us out, give us some baby steps or something, Aaron, because this is something we really have to nail as a body. Yeah, one, I really do believe it is digging into the word of God to know him, to trust him. Because if I don't, if I'm not there and I don't really know him, I'm not going to trust him. So I think it's it's that to me, the, the being digging in the word that I'm daily in that, that I'm walking with him and abiding with him because there's no peace without his presence. So if I'm blowing him off in my life, good luck having peace, right? So it's that daily walk. It's that daily surrender. You know, that's part of my prayer ritual in the morning, P-R-A-Y, Y is yield. It's just surrendering. And part of that is, Lord, I have no idea what's coming to my life today. I'm going to trust you with it. Help me to not freak out or be in control to, to allow you to do things, interrupt me. Um, and you can do that when you really believe that God is both good and great. Yes. When you believe he's good and great, you can do that because so maybe that's even a baby step too. Like for me in my life, like, okay, God, this week, I'm going to look for opportunities for you to show me your goodness, like that you really are out for my flourishing. And I'm going to look for ways that you're great, that you really are over everything. So help me to see those things yeah. because the more I see that, the more I'm going to trust yes. you. And the more I trust you, the less I'm going to try and control my life. And the less I control my life, the less anxiety yep. I'm going to feel. Yep. I'm going to live into your peace more naturally. Yeah. So yeah. like Gideon, he missed, he missed the goodness and greatness of God. It was around him mm. and he wasn't seeing it. So yeah. I love what you just said. I think it's that, like, I want to tune. And that really fits actually this coming week, Jordan. That's a great oh, lead in. That's exactly it's how we planned it. Tuning, being more attentive to what he's doing around me. So that's next week? That that's kind of, yeah, that's where we're going. I won't, I won't show my cards yet, but the, the God that who is tunes. A, yeah, the God who Yahweh like, Shabalaba. <laughs> start having tongue speaking on oh, no. our podcast. That's, oh, no. <laughs> it started. Just scared off some listeners. Yeah. Okay. So next week is all about being in tune with God's heart. Kind of like that resonant frequency thing you talked about, maybe. Yeah, bit, kind right? of a little bit different way, but yes. Okay. All right. Next week, a new name of God. We're getting down to probably the last. We are. We're getting down to the last ones. I'm saving the hardest for last. So this one was tough because it's hard to live into. Oh, man. But Okay. All right. Well, 12th, Garen sent us with a benediction yesterday to live in the peace of God and to not uh, feel the need to control. So we send you out the same way and we pray that over you this week. So we'll see you next time.